1: Visit HelloTend.com slash sale. That's hello t-e-n-d.com slash sale. And book your free consult today.
2: Turn down, baby. Yes, yeah, sir.
1: Bears fans,
3: this is Take the North. It's real simple. You know,
2: if you take a person's legs away, they can't run.
3: With your hosts, David Haw.
2: I want to remind people: there is no award for Coming to the conclusion fastest on a quarterback in your football city. Nobody remembers, and frankly, nobody cares.
3: And
4: Dan Wieter. Particularly in this town, we start to get the extremes trying to outshout each other, right? Those who think that he's a bust are trying to outshout those who think that he's going to be an absolute seven-time All-Pro.
2: We're going to take the North and never give it back. Welcome to the Take the North podcast, free on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. I'm David Hoff from 670 The Score. Dan Weider from the Chicago Tribune. You can listen to us here, Bears fans. Download, subscribe, and certainly listen to what we have to say about the Bears' 12-7 loss, Soldier Field, Thursday night. Dan, that was not what we had hoped to see from either side, depending on what you were expecting because it was another Thursday night clunker. What is Amazon's policy on returning (laughs) football games? Because that was one you don't want to take home with you.
4: Well, listen, I tweeted out in the middle of the game that the Colts and the Broncos were, were owed an apology, and they ended up scoring more points. Than the, the the Bears and the Commanders did, and it was just a an, an ugly game. Uh, as we talked about in our prediction podcasts, uh, you know, I felt like the team that made the fewer sloppy short week mistakes was going to win, and that's what ended up happening. Right, the Bears made, had two absolutely brutal turnovers in the football game. They missed too many opportunities, and ultimately the football gods said, you didn't deserve to win this game tonight. And so they're stopped inches short of the goal line in what you could say was a football gods play, right? (laughs) The ball bobbled into the air, Darnell Mooney doesn't get across the the plane, and and the Bears leave with a loss that they justly earned.
2: I don't know that they're going to play a team that's any more beatable than the Washington Commanders were Thursday night at Soldier Field. I don't know if it's going to get any easier. I know the Lions are still on the schedule twice. I know the Falcons loom uh, as well. That's a road trip. But you had the commanders reeling, dealing with controversy, fighting amongst themselves. The perfect opportunity to get your third victory going into a mini bye week. You've got 10 days, 11 days before your next kickoff against the Patriots in Foxborough. You blew an opportunity. You lost this game, I contend Dan, more than the Commanders won it.
4: There was a follower on Twitter that before the game was over was contending that that had the potential to be one of the most dispiriting and embarrassing losses that the Bears have experienced in, in 15 years. And I said, well, hold on a second. <laughs> you know, we've, we've got a long time before the Bears play their next game. Maybe there's a whole Take the North episode on the most embarrassing losses, right? I've, I've sat through a lot of them here. That's a docu-series. A hundred percent, it's a docuseries. Yeah. Series. And so I don't know if it's if it's that far, particularly given our expectations. I actually picked the, the Bears to lose, fearing that they would be sloppy. Right. And that they right. wouldn't be able to use the momentum in Minneapolis and that they wouldn't be able to prepare properly on a short week with a young team, with the, a team that has a lot of flaws. I think the the, the dispiriting part here, David, comes in just the, the, the ways that the errors came. There were so many of them. The quarterback made errors, the offensive line made errors, the special teams made errors. You just had so many shoot-yourself-in-the-foot moments that a program like this is not supposed to have against a beatable opponent at home. As you mentioned, a beatable opponent that has a quarterback that's got a, a, a sore arm that's got an owner that the rest of the league wants to kick out of the league at this point. right? There, there, there's just so much swirling around the commanders that if you don't take advantage of that opportunity in front of you, it's hard to see where your next win on the schedule is coming.
2: From. Carson Wentz has a sore arm, a bruised ego, and he beat the Bears anyway. So That right. is a, a regrettable night. Okay, there are a lot of moments to get to, so we'll start it <laughs> with our opening drive it's time for the opening the the opening drive okay so dan for four and a half hours on friday morning uh i I listened to callers in chicago and bears fans react to uh on 670 the score of the mulling haw show and i think that there's an appetite to want to i don't want to say rationalize but there's there's a deep understanding for what justin fields is going through and to me, it seems as if people are saying and want to believe that the lack of resources with the offensive line and the lack of receivers uh, are mitigating factors, contributing circumstances. However you want to describe it, but they are saying that is a bigger factor than some of the simple things that this young quarterback is not executing. And I think that I just believe, and we'll get into a deep dive of the QB1 later, but I, th- I just believe we'll start here. It's a combination of both. It's not either or, and it's not necessarily did he make progress, did he take a step forward or (laughs) backward. It's just like you want to see more based on what we saw in Minnesota and, and Thursday night against the commanders, you didn't see it. You did
4: not see it. You did not see it. Remind me to get back to the step forward, step backwards, because I've got a great story from the beat from 2015 that will be entertaining for our audience. First of all, full disclosure, uh, we need to be honest with our audience since we promised that at the outset of the podcast. You sat in my my seat in the press box on Thursday night because I was unable to attend the game. I've been in uh, isolation. Uh, I, I'm lucky at this moment right now as we're recording to be out of my dungeon in my basement where my family has locked me for the week as I'm, as I'm battling COVID. And so I had to experience that game from the couch, like so many Bears fans did watching on Amazon Prime with with Alan Kirk giving me the the play by play and and having really only my uh, my phone to talk to. Right. Like And put the Twitter thoughts in. And so I didn't benefit from the, the press box conversation that goes on. So I'd be interested to kind of hear your perspective on kind of what the mood was both inside the press box and in the stadium with the number of mistakes that occurred and the mistakes occurred so early and so often for the quarterback and the offense that there was no denying that the Sunday night or the Sunday afternoon momentum in Minneapolis was the outlier, right? It was, it was pretty apparent by the end of the first quarter that, uh Oh, that wasn't what a lot of people wanted to believe it was. It is the outlier. The bears have played six games. That's the one half where they've had rhythm. None of the other halves have shown an offense that's competent or able to consistently, produce and so that's a problem
2: so i think the fan base was was getting frustrated and it was a familiar feeling of angst uh, that permeated soldier field because the offense was terrible and i think that you know this fan base has grown accustomed to seeing what did we see last night we saw a defense that limited the commanders at 218 yards we saw a defense that deserved to win that football game. They attacked, they tackled pretty well. Now, they weren't perfect, but certainly they were good on third down. All these things that were true are things we're used to seeing, but the fan base is fed up. Score touchdowns and the, you know, banging the, and you hear the grumbling after third down misses and overthrows. And I think there's like a growing sort of frustration in the press box. You know, I mean, your seat's next to Big Z and you know <laughs> that that's a seat that I've been in for a very long time, yeah. um, even before you arrived. So uh, the, the, the conversations tend to be very familiar, too. And 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 let's just say that in, in, the people that cover the Bears, uh, and, and I don't want to speak for the entire beat, but I think that there's an understanding that Justin Fields' limitations at some point in time are going to get the best of him when he um, – when he, when he's using his legs and he's he's improvising and he's really looking like the best running back the Bears have, it, it's not sustainable. And no. I think there's an understanding from people who have covered the league a long time that what we're seeing are are maybe mini red flags. You're missing a tight end for a short touchdown. You're throwing a pass into the back of a defensive lineman's helmet. These are things that are symptoms of... Of, of I don't want to say bad quarterback play, but things that are trending in the wrong direction. So without coming too, down too hard or drawing any conclusions about Justin Fields, I do think there's a feeling like, okay, we've seen this before. We know what a struggling young quarterback looks like. And this looks like a struggling young quarterback
4: looks like a quarterback that's overwhelmed at times. Right. And, and that's, that's where the worry creeps in. Right. And, and that's the problem, David, you look at some of the numbers here, right? You've got, uh, if you take the tuck and runs and the sacks into account, you're talking about 42 dropbacks and you've got 14 completions on the night. That is unforgivable in the NFL. Look, the the commanders are, are, are okay. They've got a decent defensive front. They can challenge you and they challenge the bears offensive line, but there were so many moments where Justin's first instinct was to get his eyes down and take off and run. And we talked about it. It's one of the reasons that I have invented the TAR stat on WSCR 670, the score, because it was going to be a measure of pocket confidence, of pocket composure, of of belief that you can trust something in your offense to make plays in your passing game and you don't have to use your legs as a constant crutch. Thursday was an example of Justin trying to use his legs as a constant crutch because he didn't believe in anything. And and this this goes back a couple of weeks when when we came out of New Jersey and we said there's nothing in this passing offense to believe in. There's still not. It, and so and so that 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 little flash in Minnesota was just that. It was just a flash and it's gone, right? And and now you got to figure it, it, out a way to recreate it.
2: It does feel like it's gone because you know the things about his I don't want to call him happy feet, but you know the protection broke down so quickly That's very hard to judge and to blame him for taking his eyes and and moving, you know, to the wrong spot. You know, he had receivers drop passes. uh, Smith-Marset again on fourth down. You know, frankly, Darnell Mooney, if he doesn't bobble that last play at the goal line, if he catches it and comes down... We're having a different conversation today, aren't we? So-
4: but should we be? And that's my question, right? Should we be? Because you say, you know, like, the conclusion is the Bears were inches away. And and the follow-up question is inches away from what? Inches away from a 13 to 12 win over a team that hadn't won in 32 days and was an absolute mess coming in. So, so what does that ultimately do for you except maybe lead you back to the fountain of false hope, right? But- and, and, and conceal the nonsense and the errors and the failure that occurred.
2: Okay, but let's stay consistent, Dan. We don't want to be hypocrites here because I think that what it does is that if you're able to talk about these flaws in the context of a victory, you're crediting the victory because it's part of a culture, a winning culture that you're trying to create. So it's much better to talk about this stuff if you had won, if you had stolen one, regardless of what else it imp- implied. You don't want to mask these problems and you can't just say, oh, well, you know, we won and big deal. No. You treat the you you treat the problems like you're looking for solutions, win or lose, but it's much easier to do. I think it's much it's much more enjoyable to do if you win and it's more productive and meaningful to your organization because you're creating that culture where you expect to win.
4: Yeah, I just feel like uh, uh, Darnell Mooney catches that ball cleanly and it's fool's gold for a lot of people. Maybe. A lot of people see it Maybe. as fool's gold yeah. and we're there. Yeah. Listen, we promised our producer, Adam Stanzinski uh, uh, an opportunity to come in for an appointment on the couch. He said he was very angry this morning and, and needed to, to have a therapy session. And we volunteered our services to be his therapist. We've got a lot of points to make, but I think some of them would be well served. If Adam comes in here, uh, first of all, we'll get his
3: copay and then we'll put him on the couch and see,
4: <laughs> and see, and see what we can do for him. So studs,
3: welcome in. All right, I got five dollars in my pocket. I'll hand it off next time I see <laughs> one of you guys.
2: Perfect. So how, bad be Venmo. Okay. How, Venmo. how bad? Right. How bad is it? How bad was it?
3: So uh, I'm a little calmer now that I. <laughs> and when I was texting you guys, I will say I just finished my workout, so my angst just was still kind of up in the air. And but in the moment after the game last night, I'm even text, texting a buddy. I'm just like, and we've both we we're both huge Bears fans. And we're both just angry as, as, as can be. And I tried to keep myself calm. And I tried to use the analytical side of me to calm the Bears fan side of me. But it wasn't happening. I drove home angry. I woke up angry. I finished my workout angry. I'm a little calmer now. But I, I, when, when we say, like when we were talk, texting this morning, we're saying try to relax. So that's what I need. How do I relax? And I know that they're a bad team. And you know I understand that, <laughs> but breathing, yeah, breathe, breathe and breathe and breathe. And so I know they're a bad team. I know that progression isn't linear when we talk about Justin Fields and and taking steps backward and forward. So that's what I need: just a calming, soothing presence. Well. This
4: is These are some of my rules here, right? And and so this is kind of maybe to help you reset expectations as we go forward. Everything that you want to do should be based on critical thinking and not wishful thinking, right? That's a, a principle that I live by on this beat because I think a lot of Bears fans fell into the wishful thinking trap coming out of, out of Minnesota. And it was why I pushed back so hard on what I called hyperbole in the reaction to what Justin Fields accomplished on Sunday because it was all, oh, we, we really hope that it's this. But critical thinking told you, no, we had had enough of a safety. Sample size at that point to realize that that needed to be followed up by a mountains full of, of of consistent type production that looked just like that to start to believe that something meaningful was happening and so that would be my first piece of advice and and then dr david can can offer part of his prescription as well
2: well i i think that the thing that i continue to tell uh people bears fans i suppose is that number one uh, try to have some restraint or discipline and you're a fan. So it's kind of contrary to the whole idea of, of fanaticism is that, but you, if you're tr- looking for conclusions to draw about a quarterback that is 16 games into his NFL career, I think you are, you're, you're going to be asking for trouble or problems. Criticizing is not concluding and, you know, and, and criticism growth without criticism isn't real growth because you have to be able to identify what's not going well to be able to uh, appreciate things when they do improve so i would just like say to people and we spent four and a half hours talking about this on friday morning is that like okay you don't have to like this but i think what it does is that is that it, last week when we we're advising people not to get over their skis with excitement over what happened in minnesota I would think just this week, because I think it w- there were some things that you really didn't like to see. Don't pile on either. Somewhere in the middle, find find a, your happy place, the the happy medium, and where you can appreciate the thirty nine year old thirty nine yard runs, where you know it reminds you how special he is. But also, don't forget, that, you know, he overthrew Ryan Griffin for a wide open pass in the in, in the end yeah. zone. Yeah, and somewhere in between, there is what you're working with here.
4: So on a former podcast, the Bear Download podcast with Rich Campbell back in the day, we had to follow the development of another young quarterback, Mitch Trubisky. And and a question that we asked almost weekly was based on what, right? Whatever conclusion that is being drawn out there, ask yourself, ask the people that are trying to tell you that this is the cl- conclusion that should be drawn based on what, right? What, what what evidence do we have to support that? And right now, I, I man, I, I'm telling you, we talked about this a few weeks ago. I think the worst fear of Bears fans is that there's a possibility that Justin Fields isn't the answer. And if that fear is being sort of gnawed at every game and, and with performances as, as, as woeful as Thursday nights, all of a sudden you say, man, I don't know how much more of this I can take, which I'm assuming is what you were feeling in the, in the, the gym rage studs and, and what, what was there, right? Like, what am I even investing my time for if this is all just leading to another reset at the most important position and another rebuild and another, you know, lengthy climb up the mountain. And so this is all kind of entangled together and in, in, in trying to figure out what are the conclusions that need to be drawn and what are they based on? And, and David, you mentioned something really notable that that was just Justin's 16th career start right and that's notable because now we have a full season's worth of numbers I'm just going to read you a few of them 57.7 percent completion percentage 2,739 passing yards 11 touchdown passes 15 interceptions that's just on the uh, on the scale that's a passer rating of 73.1 that's 16 games worth of evidence that tell you boy this uh, this has a long way to go for it to be what Bears fans want it to ultimately become
2: so Adam I want to ask you this before we let you go here so if you hear those numbers and you watched that game last night and you are wanting to look at this, you're kind of a wishful thinker, right? Mm-hmm. Like a lot of yeah. fans. How much responsibility – how do you divvy it up? That's you, what I was going to say. The responsibility between the quarterback, the lack of resources, and maybe the coaching and play calling.
3: I think that kind of what you guys were hinting at, I think I, I try to look at the collective – I look at the plays that Justin should make, and then I look at the plays his guys around him should make, and I look at the way that the offense is being called, and I think should it be a little different? I was talking with talking about this in depth with a friend on my on my way in this morning on the train about the offensive scheme, but that's a whole other thing. So I, I try to look at it all collectively, and, and we talk about the extremes. You guys are hinting at it of. People saying he's bad. People saying he's going to be fine. And he's somewhere in the middle, right? Like the answer is probably in the middle, somewhere in there. So I look at it as I try to balance it in my head and, I, and I'll and i get, you know, we got 11 days before the next game and I'll balance it out eventually. And I'm far from making any calls on him like you guys are. It's, you know, in the moment last night, you guys mentioned this too. The underlying fear of we're going to mess up another quarterback is just always there. So you see a performance like last night and you say, oh, geez, come on. <laughs> like, like I thought we were making progress and, and it's hard to not react angrily and angsty in the moment
4: it's debilitating i mean it really is debilitating because it's a a, a groundhog day cycle that that just it, it, it's so familiar and so it's because it's not the first time you've been through it every time you go through it it becomes a little bit more intense and it, and it's it's absolutely mystifying listen guys there are still people to this day that say the bears drafting patrick mahomes in 2017 would have been uh, would not have have helped the franchise that they would have found a way to screw him up. And my reaction to that is, if you truly believe that the Bears could have taken a surefire Hall of Fame talent and and, and messed up his career to the point where he wouldn't have had success in your organization, then why are you following that organization, <laughs> right? Like that is the, the most hopeless cause that there absolutely could be. Uh-huh. And, and so people who draw that conclusion, I, I just tell you, go go find a new team because th- this is not the group for you.
2: Geography. Heredity. those are very powerful things to overcome dan i mean i get it explains fandom as much as any other reason i get it
4: but but if you believe that you can't even succeed with the greatest hand dealt then then when are you going to succeed right and that's 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 my question all right
2: stud you doing okay though you're going to be able to make it through this podcast (laughs) yeah i'll be all right all right i'll survive thank you you got 11 days till new england thanks for sharing your angst with us all right so dan We talked about conclusions and we will get in a deeper dive on QB1 in the next segment. Uh, here, here are a couple conclusions that came out of last night to me, and then you can share a few if you want. <laughs> Number one, Velas Jones can't return another punt this season. When you put him back there, bad things happen. Two of the last three games now, fourth quarter muff punts, you can't accept that if you want to have any kind of standard of accountability in that locker room. Number two, the defense, as we said, deserved better. I like the way that Allen Williams reconfigured some things, kind of shot some blitzers up the middle. Roquan Smith had a sack. That was nice to see. Brisker came off. Uh, the edge a couple times, and I think that that pressure created some issues for Carson Wentz, who really wasn't very good. The other thing about uh, special teams is that you know you, you can't have you can't have them be a liability when you have your margin for error so thin. And the Valus Jones thing speaks for itself. Um, and offensively, boy, I am tired of seeing Amir Smith Marset on the field when it matters, and he dropped the fourth down pass to him and then the bears get the ball back and the last thing about the receivers darna mooney i love your approach you are the consummate pro but if you want to be considered a number one number one receiver you've got to catch that ball the first time without the bobble because without the bobble we might have been selling fool's gold this morning but the bears would have had a victory
4: well i'll also say i agree with you that Darnell mooney's got to catch that that football on the first uh first try and not lose it in the lights as he said he did after the game i also think that if you watch that play justin's got to get rid of that ball about two-thirds of a second quicker and if it's on if it's on your receiver quicker and you're not taking the long wind up and you got it right when he comes out of his break it's a touchdown and two plays earlier and we'll get into this in qb1 as well he had darnell mooney open for another touchdown and the ball got batted down uh i do think your your points about the defense are 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 well said 214 yards allowed David in an NFL game in 2022, you hold the opponent to two for 11 efficiency on third down and you walk out of that stadium with a loss, right? Like, I don't know how those guys get themselves up on Friday morning and say, man, like we we have to continue to put in the same level of effort and fight and hustle and discipline because when you put in that kind of effort and and you don't get rewarded for it it is it is absolutely maddening and that that's that's going to sting that's going to sting for for a few days here for sure I,
2: i agree with you but i also think about this and i'll spin it this way if i were in that defensive unit i would be disappointed obviously because you lost but it would also be somewhat of an emboldening night for, for me as a unit because, like, our confidence has not been high because we have been gouged and we have been gashed. And, you know, so you come up big on national TV. Okay, I know it was the commanders, and I know they're missing key guys and their best, uh, most productive receiver in the red zone and all those things, but you still held an NFL team to 214. And, uh, and 30- 14 yards and two of 11 on third downs and and 12 points in the the last touchdown drive. The only touchdown drive was, you know, six yards. Right. And so I, you, you right. have a lot to feel good about and you can build off of defensively for the Bears.
4: And a six-yard touchdown drive because the guy that you drafted on day two of the draft because you thought he was an explosive specialist in part – fumbles a punt for the second time in three games. And and, and look, you give him a one-off in, in New Jersey. When you come back, David, that ball hit him in the face mask. He was stumbling. He didn't look comfortable. It looked like he had never taken a single punt off a jugs machine or been coached in any way, shape, or form. And that that that's it's just unforgivable. Unfor, 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 unfor. It's a game-losing mistake. There were many of them in the game. It wasn't the only game-losing mistake, but it's a game-losing play. And so there have to be ramifications for that, as you mentioned. And I think for for Matty Burfus's sake it's it's finding somebody else who can go catch punts and Matty Brifus said after the game number one job catch the ball first Yeah, <laughs> that's it
2: I think Luke Getzey had a couple moments that he probably would want to ha- have back in terms of calls that he made and you know third and one again when you're running the ball as effectively as the Bears ran the ball and and I I know that it came on two big chunk plays, Herbert with the 64-yarder and and Fields with his 39-yarder, but the Bears had 238 rushing yards. Whenever you're in third and less than two, I don't understand why that's not an invitation when you're running the ball that well to get the first down. Here's where you go. Here's where we block, especially with an offensive line that doesn't protect the passer very well and is a liability, and your quarterback's getting pressured more than anybody who drops back in the league. So, Luke Getze also, like Matt Eberflus, like Justin Fields, developing on the job. And I think last night was part of that.
4: In a nutshell, my conclusion, the Bears are bad based on what? The six games that we've watched, right? I mean, that's it. That's 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 my nutshell conclusion. And we'll see if they can make improvements from here.
2: You know, in the NFL, if you have a three-game losing streak, that qualifies as a crisis. Because I don't care if Ted Phillips wants to rationalize and say they can build – character out of this. And boy, look at us. We overcame that three game losing streak, whatever use that was three
4: game. It's six games. That it they six it, games. they, they okay. wait for six games to judge the character of the, the
2: response. Well, the bears are halfway toward building really <laughs> strong character. Then no but question you, you are in, in crisis mode now. So Matt Eberflus, he's going to take 10, 11 days. He talked about reassessing everything, which I think is interesting because that is the point where he is at, and, and I wonder what that means. I think probably you look at the offensive line, there might be some uh, modest adjustments. I don't know where they go, Riley Reef maybe, but it's something that they have time now to consider.
4: Yeah, look, I mean, there's a lot <laughs> there's a lot they need to consider, and I felt like uh, you were there, that Matt was certainly open-minded leaving Soldier Field on Thursday night and saying, look, we've got some time now to, to <laughs> step back and really judge where change needs to be made.
5: Auto ship order. That's
1: petmeds.com and promo code podcast. The connection between you and your therapist matters. That's why Alma focuses on helping you find the right someone to talk to, not just anyone. When you browse their online directory, you can filter your search by what you want to focus on, like Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com slash notjustanyone to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com slash notjustanyone.
2: Well, they won't be making changes at the quarterback position, but let's take a deep dive into QB1. All right, Dan, our category is defining moment on the bright side, uh-oh, and big number. Let's start with the defining moment. What did you think that was for Justin Fields?
4: So for me, it's the interception. It's the interception in the red zone, and it's 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 a chance to do everything that we talked about leading up into the game. It's it's to take the momentum from Minnesota and, and show that it means something, to show that it's real, to show that it can lead to production and points, and you have a great drive going, and you're inside the red zone, and your offensive coordinator trusts you to throw the ball, and the one thing you have to do in that situation is make sure you don't turn it over and people can say, Hey, listen, there was some, some push up front that, that disrupted the play nonsense, right? Justin Fields threw that ball from an arm angle that he thought he needed to use to get it to Cole Komet in the end zone. And he drilled a defensive lineman in the helmet. This wasn't a pass that was batted into the air. It was a pass thrown into the forehead of a rushing defensive lineman, unexcusable. It bounces up in the air. Jonathan Allen gets his first career interception. and, And all of a sudden you have that moment that says, "Uh oh." Right. And it's the start of a, an over three night in the red zone. And it's a turnover in a scoring opportunity that takes points off the board. And we talked about Valus Jones making a game losing play. That right there is a game losing play. It's the start of a night that never really got back on track.
2: Okay. That's a good one. I will go to the other most obvious miss of the night, because I think it's indicative of a lot of things. The miss for Ryan Griffin, who was on his own wide open in the end zone, and Justin Fields missed him. And we talk all the time about needing to hit the layups. That was missing the layup and you kind of, you know, not even hitting the rim. And I don't know how that happens in the NFL when you are, I mean, I know how it happens, but I don't think you can, it doesn't bode well for his ability to be a touch passer for understanding the, the difference between you know, aiming and throwing and having finesse and all these things that that's just something that as a, as a quarterback in the National Football League, a play you have to make. It also came because it was a great play design. Yeah, it was it was, it was disappointing because you saw all the schematic genius, if you will, of Luke Getze on display there. Great call, wide open, miss. And It defined what that night would become, what we'll remember about uh, Thursday night, if we want to remember it at all. But, I mean, Justin Fields needed to play better early on because if they're up 14 to nothing, they're playing with a lead that they don't know, you know, if they've ever had one that big with him as a quarterback. And that would be a much different story.
4: I'm watching a lot of nine-year-old flag football this fall, and that was the kind of miss that I'm used to seeing in nine-year-old flag football right now. Open receiver, quarterback misses them. And and for for the crowd that says, Boy, the Bears are really holding Justin back, right? Then they're not giving him enough opportunities. You earn opportunities by making simple plays, right? And 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 for those who say, Hey, Luke Getze's gotta, gotta let him let him you know deal in, in the red zone, Luke Getze's gotta let Justin Fields be the guy. Well, look, look what happened. On, on Thursday night, there's an interception and a missed touchdown pass, 14 points, right? taken off of your team's scoreboard in a game you lost by five points while giving up 12, right? It, it, it's, it's, it's inexcusable, and you can't gloss this stuff over. And this is, this is, again, my point. I just keep going back to the idea that you can't be so thirsty and eager to think that Justin is 100% going to develop into the guy you believe him to be, that you're willing to forgive mistakes like this because these are huge mistakes, He's young. I get it. He's inexperienced. I get it. A high school quarterback should be able to make that throw to Ryan Griffin in the end zone.
2: No doubt about it. I mean, people who say, quote, unquote, they want to let Justin cook. I'm not, I'm not sure I'd let him near the stove.
4: Yeah, like go wash your hands first.
2: Right? Exactly. Like, exactly. <laughs> All right, next category, on the bright side. Was there a bright side? Were there uh, plays that you saw some positivity?
4: Look, you know you know me. I'll be hesitant, but there's an obvious bright a bright side here, and it's the forty yard pass to Dante Pettis coming out of halftime and and just taking advantage of a three play a free play, showing the ability to throw a deep ball. You've got your matchup. You fire to a guy who hasn't necessarily caught the ball on a consistent basis this year, and you put a, a really nice deep ball out there. He makes a really nice catch. There's life in the building, right? And that's what you're trying to create, life in the building. And we know Justin has us in him, right? I would just say for people that are like, that's it. That's the one that keeps you coming back. You say, no, that's, that can't be the one that keeps you coming back. He's an NFL quarterback. He should be able to make that throw on occasion. It's got to become the norm for it to want you to keep coming back. But in that moment, really nice throw, really nice lift for the Bears. You were there. I, I'm sure you felt the jolt in Soldier Field when that was completed.
2: People went crazy and people high five and 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 that's not even in the press box. Um, (laughs) And some guys covering you know who want to see Justin Fields succeed so badly, so the writing is right and accurate. But never mind about that. Yeah, it was name name David's name names. No, I wouldn't do that. No, it's it's all good. But I I think yeah that's a good one. my on the bright side moment is, is similar to what it was against the vikings i think they the 39 yard run it, it illustrated that number one somebody who refused to be denied um he was in a position at a time in the game where they needed him to make something happen it was a potential game winning drive and the sheer force of will that he displays along with his amazing ability to make people miss i, I don't want to be a hypocrite because i do think that you know, as as I've said, as I've written, as I will continue to say, and I, I don't mean it as as bad as it sounds, but as a young franchise quarterback, Justin Fields is a hell of a running back, and he's still the be- the Bears' best running back right now. That's not sustainable, but it is special. And I think that when he does something that special, you have to recognize it and you can't ignore it because that, let's face it, is why. They keep going back to him, and why they will give him every opportunity to prove himself because he has that capability to draw you in. Like, okay, there it is. Oh, there it is. And maybe it is fool's gold, Dan. Maybe maybe it is a false positive. But when he does stuff like that, I I don't know that you know not certainly. This is reminiscent of of the special type of quarterbacks that you see succeed at a high level in the NFL. I don't know if Justin Fields can ever get there because of other limitations you got to score touchdowns. You got to complete passes. But boy, when he's on the move and on the run in the open field, that's fun to watch.
4: It's great to have that in your toolbox. You just don't want it to be the tool that you have to use to make everything happen, right? And so that's what they have to be very conscious of, of finding that balance with Justin.
2: Okay, the uh (laughs) uh-oh category. A, A reminder, we want to get out of here today.
4: No, I got you. And and I will, because listen, like this won't be my uh, first Tom and Jerry reference on the show. It won't be my last Tom and Jerry on the reference on the show. But there were moments, David, watching on television where I felt like I was watching Tom, right? Like they needed one of those big cartoon spatulas to get Justin Fields up off the turf, like three or four times in that game. He's taking a beating right now. Five sacks, 12 quarterback hits. He had a scramble. Uh, Well, he had 12 quarterback runs, the vast majority of those scrambles, many of those ending with hits that he took. I don't know how this can continue this is all cumulative and the beating that justin fields is taking right now now good for him that he's got 11 days now before he has to play another game and he gets a long weekend to sit in an ice tub and put heating pads on and get himself rested up but my goodness the 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 assault that 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 occurred on justin fields on thursday night is troublesome this is not sustainable for nfl quarterbacks we've seen too many guys either get physically beaten or ultimately mentally beaten by these types of things and so that's uh that's something that really needs to uh, to 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 be in the, the the forefront of the Bears coaching staff's minds and in Justin's mind as we go forward.
2: My uh oh moment is actually since this is sort of like a, a, a something we saw that concerns us, and, and this is this is mild, but it's minor, but it's important, you know, post-game. It has very it involves Justin Fields, but it wasn't him directly. Matt Eberflus coming right out of the box talked about how he thought that Justin Fields took a step forward. And I came back to it and followed up with the question later in the in the press conference because I wasn't trying to be a smart aleck, but I did want him to clarify what exactly he meant by that because I think he might have been one of the few people in the room who saw that as a step forward. Now, if you want to say we're being overly negative, saying he took a step backward, okay. If you want to you want to quibble over the kind of progress he made, whatever. I don't think it was a step forward, and I wanted to hear the head coach. Uh, you know state that or restate that for the record and um i hope that he's holding him to a higher standard privately than he did publicly because i understand why matt eber is the power of positivity but i also think that he needs to to hold justin fields accountable for the things that he didn't do while still rewarding him and respecting the toughness that he showed
4: so I was 100% appreciative of your follow-up question, and I thought it was well uh, said and and well-timed. It particularly, it came after a question about how great Justin Fields' deep ball was, but we'll talk about that another time. It triggered a story that I was going to tell really quickly, and I know we're on a, on a time crunch here, but, but 2015, the Bears came off a, a pretty erratic offensive performance, and we were at Adam Gase's weekly press conference. And Jay Taft, who was a writer from the, the newspaper in Rockford, came out to the, the press conference, and he yeah, David, you remember Jay Taft and has a way of asking questions that sometimes set the subjects on the defense. And so he asked, Adam Gase, this, this, this very sort of question, he said, Hey, listen, do, do, do you think you took a step back on Sunday? And the J Taft voice, do you think you took a step back on Sunday? And Adam Gase was kind of taking aback, and he, he got a little fidgety and he's like, oh, I don't know if we, we took a step back. I mean, we didn't play really well. And, and there's a lot of things that I'd like to, to clean up, but you know, I don't know that we have to go so far as, as calling it a step back. And J Taft's follow-up was, so you think you took a step forward? <laughs> and, and Gase was so outraged by this that he he sought me out at practice like three days later. He was looking at me for like 10 minutes on the practice field. I'm like, man, he's got something that he wants to come confront me about. And I'm like all nervous. I'm all nervous. They get to the end of an individual drill and he comes walking over to the sideline and he goes, what was with that step forward or step back question the other day? It's such a trap. It's such a trick question. It was like four days later and, and he, was still, he was still fuming about this. Different context on Thursday night. It made me laugh out loud because I, I, listen, I think the question, the initial question should have stopped with Eberflus on what did you see and not set him up for. Do you think he took a step back? Cause once you ask that, the coach is going to, side on his player's behalf and, and make sure that he doesn't step in something that he shouldn't step in on national television right after a, an emotional loss. And so Eberflus had to say what he had to say. You had to ask what you had to ask. And you got some answers that I think were okay for Matt Eberflus. He really felt that the mental and physical toughness to still put his team in position to win was a positive for Justin. But ultimately, I think we all agreed that there was no step forward. There was no step forward in Minneapolis. That was just a thing. It wasn't a step any direction. It was just a thing that happened. And so anyway, I just wanted to share that really
2: would have meant more in Minneapolis had they followed up with momentum and carried it into last night and that didn't happen. So you wonder about how portable uh, that kind of thing is in the NFL. When you're talking about franchise quarterbacks, last category, the big number.
4: It's real quick in and out zero points scored in the red zone. Zero. You had 10 plays from the six yard line or closer and didn't score in any of them. It's not just the last pass to Darnell Mooney. You had 10 plays from the six yard line or closer and could not score a touchdown
2: yeah mine would be five I think that's the number of sacks that Justin Fields suffered that does not mean the number of times that he was pressured that means he went down five times he tucked and ran I know you tally those up and that's fun to do but he had too many carries I think he ended up with 12 carries five sacks your quarterback is getting beaten up, whether it's his shoulder, whether it's his ankle, whether it's got the wind knocked out of him, he needs this time off and you're going to need to protect him, whether it's schematically or keeping another player, whatever the case, you need to protect your quarterback and those five sacks underscore just how important that is.
4: One last small thing to wrap up the QB one segment. This was Justin Fields in his own words, talking about some of his frustration on Thursday night
2: we always get told that we're almost there. We're almost there. Like me personally, I'm tired of being almost there. I'm tired of being, you know, just, just this close. Uh, I feel like I've been hearing it for so long now, but um, you know, at the end of the day, all you can do is get back to work. Um, that's the only reaction you have living, you learn and get back next week and you know, keep, keep going, keep getting better. I was in that room, Dan, it it was palpable disappointment. As down as I've seen him after a loss, he's had too many of them in his young career. He's not getting used to it, but I think he's, uh, boy, it's just hard to see somebody trying to be a leader, doing the right things and getting frustrated along the way.
4: This is why I refuse to tell someone that they're almost there or that they're this close when they're not almost there or they're not this close. Justin Fields and the Chicago Bears offense are not close. They're not almost there. They have a lot of work to put in to get anywhere near the zip code of this close or almost there. Thursday night is as undeniable of a body of evidence as you can have to that conversation. I hope people in the outside world are willing to listen to that. And maybe Adam Stadzinski can find the xylophone to attach to this clip. And we can use this as a promo clip
2: when we go forward. Well said.
1: Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
2: All right, let's flip the score. All right, so it's not hard to do because the Bears almost escaped with a victory. We wouldn't be flipping the score, but it would be a different outcome. And uh, as I said earlier, I think the Bears lost this game more than the Commanders won it.
4: There's no question, right? And and as you mentioned, it, it it takes six more inches for the score to be flipped, right? And for the result to be flipped. And I think at that point, we're spending more time this week talking about the absolute impressive physical and mental toughness of Justin Fields. The beating he's taken and the willingness for him to get back up and make sure he's in the huddle taking snaps is truly impressive. That's the number one thing that I would be highlighting had the Bears won rather than lost.
2: If they had won, I think it would have been better for everybody. It's much easier to fix problems coming off a victory and you're able to exhale and celebrate and congratulate But I still think the problem here, the biggest problem besides, let's look at you can't do this, but like take fields out of the equation. You've got to fix your offensive line. You've got to try different combinations. You've got to desperate times call for desperate measures. I don't know if it's Alex Leatherwood, I don't know if it's Riley Reef. I don't know if it's both of them, but your tackles who you drafted in the fifth round are playing like fifth rounders right now. Your free agent signing Lucas Patrick is disappointing, whether that's health related or not. Now, Tevin Jenkins has an injury. He has to worry about where is he going to be? And my goodness sakes, Sam Mustafer. I don't have a trained eye and I didn't play offensive lineman in the NFL, but he's got to be better. Can we all agree on that? And so Whatever the score was last uh, Thursday night against the commanders at Soldier Field, your offensive line is in need of an upheaval, a shakeup, whatever word you want to use, get out your thesaurus. It's necessary. Pull out the right word and apply it, Matt Eberflus.
4: You were supposed to be bringing some love. We we just spent 45 minutes tearing this team down. You were supposed to flip the score and make people feel better. And that's what you came with. I'll give you one other. I'll give you one other. If we flip the score, we'd be talking about Eddie Jackson again, because Eddie Jackson was the only player that came close to grading an A-plus on the T portion of the hits principle, had a forced fumble that luckily bounced right back into the arm for the commander's sake of Curtis Samuel. But Eddie Jackson has been the leader of that defense. That defense was spirited. We'd be talking a lot about the 214 yards and 2-for-11 of the commanders if they had won that game because that defense – played a a game that was worthy of winning and they were done in by another poor offensive performance.
2: Yeah. I I will give credit to the defense. I think that Alan Williams, uh, it would be a guy if we're giving out uh, uh, game balls, we would give out one to Alan Williams because I think that the defense was more aggressive and Roquan Smith. I want to praise he had 12 tackles. He had a sack. I can't praise the guy that gets blocked by a quarterback. Okay. So I'm going to hold off on that because if you are – he didn't see him coming, been there, done that, but a quarterback got a highlight for making a block. Carson Wentz knocked Roquan Smith off his feet, and he went full Sam Mustafer and flopped. He hit the ground hard, and that's something you want to avoid if you can, you can.
4: Roquan was talking on Tuesday afternoon about how he was going to challenge Mark Potash to a little little rumble in the media room, like jokingly, and then then Carson Wentz got him. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll see what happens. Rook, yeah. So anyway, not not a good sign. But let, let's let's see where where Roquan and this defense go from here. You know, heading to New England next.
2: All right. Let's wrap up with our two minute drill.
4: The two minute drill. The
2: two minute drill. Okay, Dan. So. First of all, let's talk schedule-wise. They have some time off. Matt Eberflus vowed to reassess things. Bears get a break to get healthy. Anything, how dramatic do you think the changes will be? How much of a reassessment will actually take place?
4: For a team that doesn't have its actual bye week until December, this is a a truly, truly valuable break, a chance to kind of heal up, a chance to to catch your breath a little bit. The Bears have to take absolute maximum advantage of this time frame here. Uh, They won't get back to a full-scale practice until uh, uh, next Thursday, right? So there's a long way to go until they're back on the practice field. They've got to get themselves mentally right, physically right, and then come back locked and loaded to go. Look, the coaches are going to do a lot of work. They're going to get in that, that, that film room on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and, and try to figure out where they can make tweaks. I think we've been very honest all along that the number of possible tweaks are limited because, I, as you know, the, the roster just doesn't have the level of talent and depth where where fixes are easy. If it fixes were easy, some of them would have been, been been made by now. They're not fully healthy, and they're not fully loaded. And so they have to work with what they got to work with. And so maybe it'll take a little bit of chicken wire, bubble gum, and duct tape to put this thing back together.
2: Quickly, do you think that they are discussing Justin Fields' health in the context of if he has any kind of problems at all that it would be worth resting him a game, protecting him? If you can't protect him on the field, can they protect him by keeping him off of it?
4: I think that opens up a bit of a can of worms if you go that route, but it'd certainly you have to, you have to assess them physically. I mean, we saw the beating he took Thursday night. So if Justin came back and had, you know, three body parts listed on the injury report, I don't think any of us would be surprised, right? If it was shoulder thigh, you know, calf or whatever it might be knee. Uh, so we'll see where they go. I would expect to see Trevor Simeon at some point this year, just because of what we've talked about. You just cannot play 17 games, taking this kind of beating. Um, one other quick point to this, this, Notes You you look outside of the schedule and you see the the last game of the month being in Dallas against Dan Quinn and Micah Parsons, and you say, Holy God, (laughs) right? Like, I'm already sort of flinching and cringing for what could happen to the Bears offense in that game. And so they've got to see big picture things and make sure that they're seeing big picture health as they go through this.
2: Speaking of health, thank you for plowing through this. I know it's been a difficult week. You are playing hurt. COVID's nothing to, you know, take lightly, no matter how healthy you are, how in shape you may be, it still is going to hit you hard and differently. So thanks. I know Bears fans are appreciative of the fact that you have kind of hung in there all week long, despite uh, not being really hundred percent.
4: Thanks for saying that. Uh, my Twitter mentions are open. The weirdest symptom that I've had has been this: like three or four times a day, this like my body feels like it's a radiator. And so, if anybody's got like some medicine or some juice or some some things they'd recommend for for handling that, I'll take it. So uh, I'll say that. But thank you. I look like this. Uh, this podcast has been a lot of fun. It's brought a lot of juice to me, and so hopefully it's part of my uh, recovery process here in in a weird week.
2: Well, if you had started waxing poetic about the possibility of this quarterback and this team this season, I would have recommended you stop talking and you were taking too much medication. But it's nice to hear at least you sound like yourself. You are a critical uh, analyst not what did you say the critical analysis you don't tell uh how, how did you word that again
4: lead, lead with critical thinking not wishful thinking
2: there we go critical thinking over wishful thinking i like that i'm going to use that i may steal that but there you go hey, hey i stole your chair and the press box. <laughs> stop stealing long things long. from
4: me david no, I, Hey, <laughs> it was
2: very comfortable it was very familiar i it really enjoyed in there on thursday night hey anyway, and with the
4: long week we got to get back to the yoga breath discussion that's got to come into our next episode for sure
2: and we will have our next episode we're going to go back to our normal schedule we will drop an episode on tuesday morning after the extended weekend the bears don't play on sunday so there's nothing to react to so we will be back on tuesday and then again on friday the bears play on monday night we'll decide how we're going to handle that weekend next week but Thank you for joining us here on the Take the North podcast. You can download and please subscribe. We appreciate you listening. And for Adam Sudzinski, our ace producer, has working through his angst of the after the loss. For Dan Weeder from the Chicago Tribune, go to chicagotribune.com and read his column. And for me, David Hall, you can go to 670 scorecom and see my column from the game on Thursday night. Thanks for listening to the Take the North podcast on your free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: Great talk. See you out there. Hey, everybody, I'm Mark Shanowski, along with one of the NBA's most popular analysts, Stacey King. We're inviting you to join us on the Gimme the Hot Sauce podcast.
2: So join us every week here in the Hot Sauce studios where we'll be talking about basketball, football, MMA, entertainment, and unique viewpoints from a group of sports experts having a few brews. That's right. Listen up on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast.